today I'm talking with Dave the Bard, or do you pronounce it Dave the Bard? Uh, Dave is fine. Dave Absolutely is fine. fine. So, Anything's fine, even to be honest. I don't, I'll answer to most things. Awesome. Okay, so Dave the Bard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dave the Bard is a very famous uh, bard with the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids, who makes the Druid Cast podcast and is quite a prolific artist with many albums with a, a pagan theme. Um, loved by people all over the world. So it's a real pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thanks so much for having a chat with me. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm an avid listener to your podcast. That's so very it's my exciting. pleasure and privilege to be on here. <laughs> and me yours. That's great. Awesome. Um, so it was really cool to have you come to Australia and um, do Druid Camp with us with Kerry Lee and Christopher Hughes recently. Um, I really, really enjoyed um, all of the rituals and the um, the meditations and just the, the little pieces of, you know, thought material um, added in there mm-hmm. to, to help us think about the landscape. I thought it was really um, sensitive of you to make it so much about Australia. Um, what was the, like, how did that come about? Can you talk about how Druid Camp and the themes of Druid Camp came about? Yeah, yes. Um... I mean, our first trip over to Australia, myself and Kerry's, was in 2009 for Druid's Dreaming, and um, and it was uh, a little event held in um, just outside Adelaide, um, and it was there whilst we were over for that event that I met up with uh, Adrienne and Spiral Dance, and we we barely really got to say hello. I did a gig with them at the uh, the wonderful singing gallery in um, McLaren Vale and we met there and I, and and they invited us back so two years later we came back and when I came back I noticed because the first trip I didn't really get to see a lot of O-bodies um, or other druids or, or any of the other kind of outward further kind of uh, pagan community within South Australia when I came back it was it became I noticed that the Obod people there um, didn't seem to mix much with the wider pagan community, and it seemed like there were two very distinct things going on. And that came about from a from a com- conversation I had heading back to Melbourne, and um, and uh, and I just thought, wow, this is such a missed opportunity that there's such vibrancy in the wider community and such such stuff that Obod can can offer to the pagan community that these two spheres need to get closer together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it was um, a, an uh, event where everyone got together at that one. It was awesome to have so many different people um, together. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so I guess that Druid camp was like the culmination of maybe three, three, three further trips over to Australia where, mm. you know, we've had a lot of conversation with people, and it, in in a very similar way with America and with Canada, there's this there's this baggage that people have mm. um, about the land and about the First Nation people and about what ancestors did and and the you know colonial stuff and all of that and it and it, it seems to be it seemed as someone coming in and please no one take offense of this because if it's not if this is not you then this is not you but what from my impression it felt like you know there was this difficulty of reaching out of 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 becoming your own native if you like of saying you know I was born here this is this is where I was born from this earth yet 
you know, with the history that goes on, I can't seem to connect to it in a way. I can't, you know, I'm certainly not going to culturally appropriate Aboriginal stuff or anything like that. But there's something that I need, you know, people need a close connection to their home. That's the bottom line, don't they? They need a close connection to their home. And I found that there was this, there, there felt like there was this veil or barrier there for some people. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, and so, and, you know, and, and I, I think I, I told this story to an Angie, you know, I wrote the song The Dreaming. Yeah. And it was about, it was a love song to your land, Australia, without a doubt, and to you lot as well. It's, it's, it, it took me a long time to write it and for the words to come, but when it came, it was an absolute love song for for the land and for the people and for the animals and plants and the trees and, you know, everything mm. that I had felt over that time. And the first person I played it to was an Australian visitor who had come over to our house um, on a trip to the UK. And I said, I've got a song I'd like to play for you. And I played him The Dreaming. It was the, he was the first person to hear it. And I, I stopped and I said, what, what do you think? And he was silent for a little while. And I'm going to have to give you... I'll, 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 what kind of rating has this got on iTunes? Because <laughs> I'll, I'll oh, swear if I... Oh, it's OK. Yeah? Yeah, yeah well, he, he basically turned to me and he said, the first thing I thought when you were playing that song... I'll do the Irish version. <laughs> is what the feck... <laughs> is what the feck gives you the right to write a song like that. Yeah. And he said, and the second thought I had is why the fact do I feel that way? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, oh, yeah. When, when yeah. I was in, in England, I, I um, was looking for, like, information about the Wheel of the Year to help me understand how I could make it adapt to Australia. And so many people said to me, why don't you ask the Aboriginal people? And it just, yeah. it just felt like a disconnect. Yeah, there's this kind of fear yeah. mm, that comes yeah. To not want to step on his toes, yeah. Yeah, and Druidry, you know, Obod Druidry teaches methods and and, and skills and ways of connecting to the earth and trees and things mm. like that. So when I came to Australia, I didn't use Aboriginal ways. I just used what I'd done all the time in, at home in, in the UK, just used the same opening up that I did uh, did there. And, and I was knocked off my feet by this powerful... Yeah. Beyond, I mean, as for someone who lives on an island that is nearly, you know, literally only a thousand miles from tip to top, you know, coming to mm. Australia and step, stepping off onto this vast land where, you know, nothing is familiar, it absolutely not, it blew me for six. I'd never felt anything like it from anywhere else I had ever visited. Well. And I had to express that, and so that strong ah. was, song was that expression, you know. Oh, yeah. um, but it became obvious to me that there was this disconnect. So, so yeah. when we said we'll we'll put on a camp, we thought, well, it has to be a way for it has to be directed from from the land we're on. It has to be because mm. we aren't in Europe, you know, we aren't, I'm not in Sussex or in Cornwall or anywhere, you know, this place is so different to us. The only language that could possibly be used to, to make that camp at all magical or successful or enchanting 
is to use the language of the land we're on. And of course, we didn't necessarily know that language. We don't live there, but you lot do. Mm. So uh, that's why we basically said, you know, what? give us seven, seven plants from your landscape that you think and feel hold a magical uh, spiritual connection to the land. Mm. And, and that's what happened. And that was, the, that was it, really. And the whole focus was to create the cauldron of Awen, not from the lands of Wales and England, but from the, the, the exact landscape that was surrounding us where the camp was held. And, and we just felt that if we do that, that might be a little key for some people to, to say, no, we can do this. We can, we can adapt Druidry to this place. It's not strictly Northern European. It can live and thrive in other places. And I can use these skills and these teachings to help me open up and connect to the land beneath my feet. And that was really it, you know, long mm. answer, but that was it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it was wonderful. I was really inspired by it. I love it. It's great. Um, yeah, and what so... I loved was, the, the, and the way people got their teeth into it was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, we came up, you know, we didn't do much of that ceremony, you know, not really. We, we literally just held it. And everyone else came up with the enchantments, with the incantations, with the way the plant was en enchanted. You know, it was done by everybody there. And that's that. that and, and sometimes you do that and people go, oh, I can't be asked. And they go and have a cup of coffee and just sit and talk to each other. But there, that didn't happen. You yeah. know, they really got their teeth into it. And some of those incantations and, um, you know, were, were amazing. Some of the invocations to the plants were, well, all of them were. They were just fantastic. And they, and then the final hummingbird, when we let loose that energy that we had yeah. raised, was just mind-blowing. I mean, it was magical, wasn't it? It really worked. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. yeah. I think there's like, like all of us have this connection with the land um, but we have the, the tradition as well that teaches us how to connect, but it's not necessarily always, um, you know, those aren't connected in the, the wider communication about it all. And so when there's mm -hmm. these opportunities as a group to, to express that together, I think it just jumps out, you know, it's like it's just ready yeah. and waiting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hunger for that kind of yeah. connection. You can feel it. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and it's like when you play live, when you're a musician and you play live, if you get an audience that responds, then you create this kind of circular energy of power. So, so, this, so you play the song, the audience respond, that comes back to you, that makes you work harder, sing harder, that makes the audience happier and they come to it. And it's just this vortex goes round and round and it's the same when people engage fully. Yeah. in magic together that same vortex of energy is is you know just takes it into places that it just wouldn't go if people just sat there and stared at you in blank faces you know? yeah yeah oh definitely yeah. everyone was definitely into it and and enjoying it it was amazing um but yeah i think also like that emphasis on connecting with the land and asking the land to sing through us or to to speak through us you know that mm. I think the land really wants to be sung and spoken, and you know, it comes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ask it to, it does. Yes, mm. yes, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how true this is across the board. But when I was speaking to, um, you know, the lady at uh, English Ale, and I and I told that story, and um, you know, her her father had 
being part of an Aboriginal um, tribe, mob, or whatever the group, you know. And and I told that story, and she smiled. And I said, "What well, you know? What are you smiling at?" She said, "Well, I, I don't know any Aboriginal person who would hear your song and take offence at it." Yeah. You know, in fact, I would. They would hear your song and they go, "Oh my God." You know, um, well, they probably wouldn't say that. You know, they would say, "Oh man," you know, <laughs> the Europe, the, the, the Europeans got it. You know, he, he understands. He's, yeah. he's he's got it. You know, and um, yeah. so it really does feel like it's a it's an issue for not you know for for more for the kind of um, you know the white people on Australia rather than you know the yeah. Aboriginals themselves some of the time. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, having opportunities to speak to Aboriginal people, it's always been really well received. Um, yeah. That that we want to acknowledge our ancestors, that we want to take care of the land, and that we we care about culture and we care about being appropriate. And if you know we yeah. have that desire, like if we want to be living with integrity and we want to be doing the right thing, and we we ask, you know. Are we doing the right thing? Yeah. We want to, you know, <laughs> change if we're not. Yeah. Um, I think that it just starts there, you know. Um, and 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 I think we really do need to hold and have discussions with these people. Absolutely. Because because a lot of our Western, you know, culture is broken. I mean, you've only got to look at the the state of the world right now. It's it's broken, and although we have things like Druidry and Wicker and that, they, they are, they are, they, they could really benefit from just not from discussion with people who have never lost that connection like we have, yeah. you know, it's, and, 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 and I'm not talking about appropriation or anything like that. I'm talking about honest and open discussion of how we can work together and try and heal this broken, you know, place we live in. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that, um, that there's so much wisdom in, in that connection that has not been lost by people whose, you know, whose people go back thousands of years upon that land, be they Native American or Maori or mm. Aboriginal or whatever. You know, they, mm. they, they, it's, a, it, it's a really important thing to just sit down and, and hold and hold open and honest discussions yeah you know. I like the idea of good relationship like um, yeah you know making it one-on-one not not just about I don't know I mean there's there's a lot of information available like online and in books and in museums and cultural centers and places like that that we can go and learn things from but also just like you know meeting people on and there's quite a lot of people who have Aboriginal heritage that do druidry or do Wicca. yeah and and those people that can span those two worlds and talk from both sides are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. so helpful yeah. in helping us to understand how it all translates and what, you know, where, where we might be making mistakes or, you know, how to do a really yeah. good acknowledgement of country or, you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. But also they often say, you know, deep listening, like, like becoming really just aware of the land in, in a way that's really natural to us in Druidry is, is what they want us mm-hmm. to do. Um, yeah. So, you know, no. our, our own connection with the land is, 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 you know, a powerful part of it all. Yeah, but not everyone I've, not everyone I've met, even who are following pagan paths, can have, have got to that point where they can sit and listen. 
you know there's a lot of there's a lot of noise within the pagan community of of things like going online and getting your facts right and what did that goddess mean and you know who was hecate originally worshipped by and all these other things yeah. but actually um, but not that that stuff is not going to necessarily help you open up to the land beneath your feet True. you know that is that is the point where you you kind of just say that is that and that works for certain aspects of my spiritual path but yeah. but the the contemplative the sitting down the listening the being with is is the thing that really sometimes just opens up so much more than uh, than any internet search and books and oh, that yeah. kind of teaching can do, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, it's like the the knowledge or gnostic experiences, you know, the, or the mystical experience of something, like rather yes. than just knowing facts, like which is mm-hmm. I, I'm I like academia. I did religion at uni. I I love like knowing my facts about history and things like that. Um, and just having those discussions sometimes is is really enjoyable, but there is also personal experience and and um, you know direct um, ex- experience gnosis um, knowledge through experience that that can often be so much more valuable than anything you can read. Mm. They, they say you can read as many descriptions of what an apple tastes like, but it's not tasting mm. it. Yes, that's a very good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At some point you have to bite the apple. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter how well you can describe it if you've never, or uh, describe a goddess or know know her history if you've never met her. Do you really know Mm -hmm. her? Yeah. um, Yeah, or the land, I suppose. Yeah, too. So I guess that connection to the land is kind of like connecting with different trees and things and different seasons. And, you know, that listening and that Gnostic experience also comes into our experience of nature. And, um, yeah, it was awesome how at the camp we were having that direct experience with the plants, like to have those meditations where we were thinking about the, the you know, the meanings of the plants and having those meditations and moving into the plant's energy. That was, mm. that was great. And how, um, like, off, like some, I think there's lots of different schools of how Owen works and you get some people looking at the, you know the the traditional OM and and making it about um, finding a perfect equivalence um, in Australia. Yeah. I don't, you know, like sometimes that's something people do, but um, I think that Gnostic experience and like going and you know in personally relating to the tree can be more powerful. Yeah, I think I think in the in the end, it's what works for the person, isn't it? If if mm. if somebody looks at the ogham and sees those those symbols and thinks, right, well, the birch, what does that symbolise? Then, and what is my what is an indigenous tree here that that has that same energy that the birch has, and therefore I can use that symbol for that other tree. Yeah. You know, if that works for somebody, then no, I don't think anyone can turn around and say oh. that's, that's wrong. Oh you no, know? absolutely not. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's also a journey, isn't it? Because yeah. to know that energy, to know that energy, you, what, the inspiration may well be the, the birch of northern European countries, you know. But to find the equivalent, that person has to go on a journey throughout their own land. Yeah. And they then have to they had then have to look at the at the growth cycles of a particular tree, you know, the birch. The pioneer tree, it's the, one of the first trees that grows that grew after the Ice Age. It's a, mm. it's a tree that grows and creates forests. And then 
and it grows very quickly and straight and strong and true. But then the the slower growing trees, like the oaks, oaks and the ashes, will then grow grow beyond it, grow over it, and potentially block out the light and and maybe even kill a lot of its uh, a lot a lot of its friends that, that are standing all around. So, oh, wow. you know, and if you know that. Uh, uh, its sap makes amazing, you know, wine, <laughs> you yeah. know, and 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 uh, and and, um, and syrups and things like that. So if you know that about the birch, then to find the equivalent, you've actually got to go on a journey throughout your where you live and find the indigenous tree that that grows or has similar attributes that you can then say that 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 symbol works with that tree. I can't imagine any what, tree in Australia having exactly the same qualities though so but I suppose like you know you could find some of them that are most important to you and yeah um, yeah make an equivalent I know um some people in the community have made whole lists of equivalents that that work for their area but we also have a massively diverse landscape so you can't you know use use the (laughs) same ones in one place as you would in another that's the thing that very often us Brits can't get through our heads yeah. is, you know, is, is the fact that South Australia is, you know, uh, is almost as big as Britain itself, you know, and, um, and you, you just say, okay, well, you know, that's where I've spent most of my time. When I've visited Australia, it's been South Australia. I have never once been to Perth. Yeah. I have never once been to Darwin. I have never once been to Tasmania. I've once been to Brisbane, and that was hot and sticky, and yeah. I didn't like it that much, <laughs> you know. But, but uh, you know, and, and, and I looked at the part. I, we, we, drew, we drove the Great Ocean Road once yeah. um, on the way back from Melbourne, and I looked at the map, and when you look at the map, you see Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and they're all in a, you know, they're all kind of up there, you know. And and, and to my mind, that looked a bit like uh, Brighton, Portsmouth, Southampton, and Paul along the south coast of Britain. <laughs> and I can I can make that 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 journey in about two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, but you're looking at like but, at least a week. Like, you are at least, at least a week. I mean, yeah. and and then you look at that little section of Australia. And you think, and you see the whole of this big, big island, and you go, "Oh man, you know." And and so, as you say, it's very hard for us to. Well, I, I, I won't generalise. It's very hard to me to look at South Australia and, and know this landscape that I've visited a few times, and then think, "Yeah, well, that's Australia." And then yeah. I hear about the Red Centre, yeah. and you just go, "Oh, okay, well, that's Australia too." <laughs> and yeah. That's totally different. And that's the power of that land that you live on. It's just astounding. It's a, it's a mind blower for me. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, it can change from the top of the hill to the in the valley, or you know, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like tropical Queensland is is a world away from Tasmania. Or I've I've often asked on our Druids Down Under group, oh, what are your you know twenty most important trees? And the Western Australians often say trees I've never even heard of. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I have no idea what they're like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so coming up with an Australian ogham would in, be impossible. Yeah, because it would be it would be different from place to place. Wouldn't yeah, it? but which is why that, person person. that idea that you had at this at this gathering where we look at a one square mile was yeah. awesome because you can take that wherever you go. 
and yes. and think about the yeah. you know what what's in this one square mile. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. It really inspired me actually. We did a Yule gathering recently, and we we did a we did the story of Talius and. Um, but we used that idea of getting the trees from the area to put into the cauldron right. to make the brew, and um, oh, and we we used perfect. the we found nine trees from the the valley that we were doing it in to to make the brew, and yeah, so thank you. <laughs> oh well, really no, that's what it's for, isn't it? That's yeah. that's you know you, you you know you do these things, and then people go off and and it spreads around and. Yeah. It inspires, so oh, that's it's what it's brilliant. exactly what it's for. Hurrah. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea because you could do that anywhere. You could do it in Queensland or you could do it, you know, just yeah. you pick your nine or, or 25, yeah. whatever it is you want to use, and, and that's your, yeah, that's your magic right yeah. there. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that we wanted to do is I, I know that there are people within – that the pagan community we were with who know the plants very, very well. Course, yeah. um, but all, there might also be people who don't. You know, they, they might not have looked um, it so deeply into some of these plants. And that's why when we did the meditation, we, did the, we, we got people to go into the grove and then leave it on the inner, in the inner world and hunt the spirit of that plant before they had spoken about what they thought the plant was. Mm. because what we didn't want is for somebody in that circle to know the plant very well, give a whole rundown of all of the, you know, um, names and characteristics of that plant so that when that person then went into the inner grove, they, that journey was then coloured by what they had just been told. Mm. Um, we wanted them to, to go in cold and not knowing anything potentially about it find the plant ask the plant its energy get told what it was and then do the sharing and see how many people had similar tales to tell and it's amazing how how well that works that people come back and they pass the talking stick around and they find that they have indeed encountered the same or similar spirit within the inner world that has told them the energy of that plant you know yeah so yeah, 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 awesome, love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that really is like then like that song of the land kind of emerging as well, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that something? I mean, it's you not something with... you'd necessarily. Sorry, Sorry it's not something you'd necessarily want to do with you if you have a poison plant. You wouldn't. You know? no. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily hunt the spirit of the plant, knowing nothing about it, and say, "Can I eat you?" You know, or something like that. You oh, know, yeah. but uh, nonetheless. <laughs> well, you could still get the, the sense thing. of um, yeah. I feel like you would get the sense of like um, it, it being negative in some way, or yeah. or, or not. Um, I don't know. I feel like you might get that from it. Um, we didn't. I didn't know the plant that we got at all, and um, right. yeah, it was totally new one to me. So it was really interesting how it um, it Fabulous. spoke. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, yeah. Do you do you do that a lot with like the way that you write songs and things? Like, um, obviously, you work a lot with mythology, um, but a lot of your music is about that connection with the land too. Is that like how do you do? You, do you bring? Um, it's something that really fascinates me because I. I love hearing about how people um, use ritual to inspire mm. their creativity and what that process is like for people. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Could you talk about that at all? So what, the songwriting process? Yeah, like, ha- like, is this, like is this, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sort of jumping a little bit here from the, from the ritual, but I suppose is like this connection, this like meditating with the spirits of things, 
Um, yeah. Is that something that yeah. moves into your songwriting as well? I, I do. Um, I, I've, the one that springs to mind immediately is the, the song The Hills They Are Hollow. Okay. Um, I, I had that tune for about a year and a half and I had the chorus for, for, for a good long period of time. And I had the opening line as well, you know, there is not, um, and, and I had, the, but, but I couldn't get the middle verse. I just couldn't get the middle verse at all. And so one autumn's day, I think it was a September, I, I, we went, myself and Kerry, we went down to Dartmoor and she went to see a friend of hers and I took my guitar out onto the moors and I went to a place called Merryvale, which is um, a kind of Neolithic complex, really. It's got stone rows. It's got a stone circle. There are standing stones. It's an incredibly powerful Neolithic um, place full of, you know, proper earth energies. And it's surrounded by the tours or what they they call the tours, but they're the hills of, of Dartmoor. And I sat there with my guitar and suddenly I got the words, you know, there is an old circle of stones that stands on the moor. Every moss-covered face tells the secrets of ancient lore. The tours stand as guardians, witnesses to the rights to ancient gods of darkness and of light. That whole verse came from just sitting within that very landscape as wow. I was around, you know. And, and, the, and, the, and the writer's block went and the last verse appeared pretty much straight away as well. And the song was complete. And then... Once that was finished, I went off to Grimspound. And, I, and Grimspound is an old Bronze Age settlement, again, just up the road from, uh, from Merryvale. And they've got, uh, it, within Grimspound are these re, re, um, remnants of the old roundhouses. And they're very well, some of them are very well preserved. And so I sat in one of the old roundhouses from, in this Bronze Age village and and I just looked to the sky and I looked around me and, and that's where I wrote Grimsbound. So that was a very, very, very nice day of writing there. Wow. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, sometimes the land just goes, I've got something to tell you and you have to go out searching for it. There's no way I would have got those songs without actually being on the land itself and connected with the land and just saying, right, come on, tell me your story. Yeah. Tell me your story. So, you know, it, it does happen. Um, yeah. And there are other times, I think Merlin Am I is one song where I, I sat down, I started playing this um, this chord progression and then what felt like a minute later, if that, I looked down and there was a song on the page, mm -hmm. finished. Yeah. Um, there weren't any crossings out, there were no corrections. What you hear now and recorded is exactly what was written at, right the way through in that moment. And and that happens occasionally. It, it it doesn't happen all the time. And when it does, it's just like, it's as if the song wants to be written itself. It's like there's something guiding you and you can call it the Awen or you may call it Merlin himself who just says, yes, tell me, your, tell tell them my story, you know. Mm. And that's what I feel with this Mabinogi um, series of albums that I'm putting together at the moment. You know, when I first started to to think about it, all the other songs that I could write disappeared. And I could only focus on the first and second branch. And when the second branch finished, I thought, that's it. I was exhausted. It's a, 
it's a very it's quite a depressing <laughs> sort of story it's not exactly uplifting and I thought I'm done I need to I need to have a break and do a song album now and I said that to a friend of mine Arthur Hines in the States he's a bard out there and he just turned to me and he said but what if the lady doesn't want you to do that <laughs> yeah and I, and I said, well, the lady will get what she wants. You know, if that's yeah. not where I'm supposed to point my wand, then that's that's what will happen. And so I so I literally ended the second branch with the full intention to write. Um, and I told people, don't worry, I'm going to do an album of songs now. It's going to be, you know, and then we'll be back. And I, I just couldn't do it. It was like I sat down with my guitar to write songs that were not Mabinogi-focused, and I could not get one word. Wow. And so I said, okay, I'll just see what happens. I'll try and write the spoken word section for the third branch. And that's what I was doing when uh, when you called on Skype just now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm literally finishing, I'm, I'm absolutely finishing the, um, the epilogue, you know, part of the entire story of the first, second branch, of uh, the third branch that has literally fallen onto the page. Wow. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like they're saying to me, this is you've got to do this now and you've got to see it through whether you like it or not whether your fans want it or not this is what you're doing Dave and we aren't letting you go until you've finished it and it's quite something to feel that pressure from behind you pushing you mm. you know I at, at the end of the first branch when I finished that I thought I'd take maybe three months off but the very day I pushed the button and uploaded it to CD Baby finished I took Oscar for a walk down to the river and I was dive-bombed by two crows all the way along the road. <laughs> and, 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 that, and sometimes crows are just being crows. I'm not one who sees omens everywhere, don't get me wrong. Sometimes crows are just doing crow stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, but this was different. This, they, they would land like five foot in front of me together and walk along with me and then fly up into the air and then I'd have to duck as it tucked past. And, of course, I just thought, oh, there's Bran and Branwen, and it's like they're saying, "Come on, it's our turn now. You need to get going. You need to keep keep the energy going and get onto our story now." And so I had no break at all between the first and the second branch. Wow. <laughs> so yes, the I think when it comes to songwriting, sometimes you know the best songs are not the ones that have been. That 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 you. I've never found that I could go right. I'm going to go to my room and write a song now. Mm. It's never worked. If I take that attitude, I'll get up there, I'll play the guitar, and I'll just play the same chords as I've played. My fingers will go to to very familiar patterns, and and, the, and whatever I try and write will be rubbish, and I just stop and go back and leave it. You know, if you if I say if I use that energy and say right, that's what I'm going to do. But some but if you sit down with the guitar and just noodle, if you just open to the hour to the flow, then suddenly, if you're lucky, you'll catch one. Mm. And and you'll be off, you know, and that's how it works for me. Yeah, and it sounds like perhaps going out on the land and seeing what that has to say has worked for you too. That's, Very much. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And and gods and goddesses too. I mean, it's like Isis Unveiled is a very non-Dave song. You know, it's a, a song all about an Egyptian goddess. But wow. um, Kerry was going to some pagan gathering, and I just literally the words came out of my mouth. I said, "Bring me back an Isis figure." And I've got no connection to the to the Egyptian myths whatsoever, but I just said it. I said, "Bring me back an Isis figure," and so she did. And I put it on my altar, 
And I left her there for about three days and then I picked up my bouzouki and that opening sequence of Isis Unveiled just came out and I wrote the song. Wow. And it's just, it is literally like, you know, you just open up and say, tell, it's like you're a bard. You think you're a bard? Do you? Okay. <laughs> then tell my story in five, in four verses. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. It makes me think like, I feel like Australia, Australian paganism needs more low local songs and poems and stories but you know you can't force it you can't say right I'm going to go and do an Australian song now um you know or any song like you're saying um but Mm. I I sort of wonder how how we can encourage these stories and songs to emerge like and I I suppose yeah that going and sitting (coughs) on the land and asking and waiting is maybe yeah yeah yeah, I think well I think (coughs) That, that, you know, the thing is there's such a rich um, heritage in kind of Northern European stories. And, mm. and if people are looking at ancestry, then a lot of the Americans will find their ancestry in Ireland and Scotland. And a lot of a lot of Australian people f- often find their ancestry in England, you know, so they all head back to these shores. And mm. and that in ancestry and DNA that built the teeth and bones of, the, of ancestors are still very strong within people, you know. Of course, I, yeah. I, my, anse- my, my ancestry uh, on my dad's side is... is is Britain and Denmark. So I'm definitely, you know, in my past, somewhere along the line, some Danish Viking got it on with a British person and, mm. and, and our family with the, with the result. And so, you know, there's, there's always that sort of inner call. And I think, you know, I mean, Adrienne's song, Goddess of the Southern Land, yeah. to me, that's like the anthem that I hear of of paganism in Australia, you know, because the the, the way she expresses that feeling of looking back, but getting to a point where that's not enough. Yeah. And now I need to look at the present and I need to look forward. And I need to hear the voice of the southern land that I'm on, as well as acknowledging my journeys through my ancestral path that I've taken to find where I came from. I need to know where I am now. Mm. And that song, to me, just made, it makes me bloody, it makes me sob when I hear it. When every time they bloody play it, yeah. you know, there are lines in there that, to me, they would feel like they were, they were inspired by the very soul of, of, of a lot of Australian pagans. Oh, I don't know absolutely. if that rings true. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I love that she doesn't name the goddess, that it's a question, you know, yes. that, that it's really present with where we're at in Australia at the moment, that, you know, we don't know exactly, you know, how this works for us. You know, there's still questions, yeah. there's still searching, but there's like this yeah. desire to know more. It's really, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah, so it's there, and I, and I think you know some of um, you know some of Mister of guy you know Casey's songs are also are are, are heading towards that kind of connection. Yeah, you know, sure. you can be that wild man song. You know, even if they're not bears or whatever he, the animals he names, that that same connection is still there within. You know, when you go walking out to the land and just try and be be a human animal you know, at the end of the day, which is what we are. We've just forgotten. We're just a human animal, yeah. you know, and, and that and all animals have a relationship with the earth. They they hunt or feed or walk upon, don't they? So, yeah. Yeah. Having that connection with all of the parts of it. And, yeah, but, yeah, yeah like, yeah, it encourages you to, to go out and experience that and then to, to find what, what's around you. So, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we've got some 
pretty good stuff happening here and um and it is lovely <laughs> that we have songs like your dreaming song as well like it, you don't need to be from here to sing about here like you know that that mm. song is just as touching for us as it would be for British people that that love Australia yeah you know yeah it's yeah. great. That always makes me cry, that one. Too. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. So it's nice. I think yeah. it's because it's so needed, you know, like having having yeah. stories about about places and, and you know, songs of, of places told is, um I guess that's the, the purpose of the bards. Like, like, obviously, we tell the stories of our ancestors too, but we've got to tell stories of the now as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one and one day all of us will be ancestors. That's the thing yeah. that sometimes we forget. There, you know, as long as we don't do anything really stupid, there will be another three thousand years, and what we do now will affect the future. And and how do we hold it? And how do we nurture this thing that we've created of druidry and paganism? And 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 we are right at the very beginning. You know, the Australians as much as Brits really, because here it only really kicked off in the fifties. Um, and so we're all. We're all searching to hear those same sort of voices from the land and from our ancestors and from the stories and tales. Um, and I think it's going to be a gradual thing. There's nothing that any of us can do that will that will encourage it, I think, any more than it already is because it's, it's, it's like an opening flower. You know, yeah. it's very, very slowly opening into something very beautiful. But at the moment, we're just seeing almost the bud and the first few petals. Yeah. And it's going to take at least a couple more generations for that flower to open and to become what it could become, I think. So, you know, but it makes it frustrating for us because we all want it just now, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just got to water it, I suppose, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just got to look after it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. With the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it was a real pleasure having you guys come, and and you're going to come again in in um in a couple of years. The, the, yeah, the plan is two years time, so we've got a couple of years to to, to create something as magical as as we had before, and uh, and do it all again. Yeah. 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 That's going to be great. So, and are you going to be doing it in in Adelaide? Is that the plan again, or are you going to? Oh, I I, I think so. I think so because I I think the thing is, you know, it's it's often Adrian who's kind of like a, a spiral dance, and Adrian who are mm. kind of like the driving force behind getting us out there. Yeah. And I think if you if you're doing all of that, to then organise things where you don't know the land as well or the or the or the venue as well and stuff like that then um then it might be a bit difficult but obviously it's two years time who knows what's going to happen i mean i would love to go back and play a couple more gigs upstate yeah. because uh you know i really missed bass 303 and the melbourne people and and uh the bald face stag and the sydney people this time you know yeah. I, it was, that, that was a shame so we've got time hopefully for for us to travel a bit more, but I would think that the if there is a big camp, uh, it would probably be a local uh, another local one um, yeah. in the Adelaide area. I would well, think. I, yeah. expect, I expect we could put something on in in Sydney. There's certainly people that are capable of organising something, so you never know. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and we'll have Chris with us, so he yeah, you know right. he will travel with us to any other place, and um, 
you know, I'm sure that as well as my concert, there will be opportunities for workshops and meetups and things like that when yeah. we get there as well. So, yeah. and this time when I go, this time when we come, and I just put this out there to whatever gods and deities are listening, I, I am so, so keen to just get my feet onto that red centre this time. Oh, yeah, nice. Great. I've never experienced it, and I just think that if, if if Adelaide and Melbourne and Sydney and that area blow my mind, then I don't know what that's going to do to me. <laughs> Who knows? I'll probably come back completely changed Who knows <laughs> yeah, what we again. Do. All right, we'll put that out there. Yeah. Who knows what we'll yeah. find? <laughs> yeah, Very maybe good. do a gig in Alice Springs or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Have a special camp. We can all come from our different directions and go to it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never know. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for um, coming on and having a chat with me. It's been really interesting to talk to you about all of that. Um, I'm sure it will inspire many of our um, creative people to to get into listening more and, and seeing if there are songs to be told or, or songs to be yeah. sung, stories to be told from the land. So, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's been lovely. It was lovely to meet you in Australia and actually have some time to sit down and properly say hello yeah. and uh, and talk on your podcast. I feel very privileged and honoured to be on your show. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to find out more about my music or the podcast or anything, Dave, um, my website, which is the hub of all things I do, is paganmusic.co.uk and uh, go on there if they want to. There's a little contact page. They can drop me a line and say hello. Yeah. I answer as many as I can, and um, yeah, yeah, it's been a lovely, Brilliant. lovely chat. Thank and you. And of course, they can listen to you on Druidcast, and I'll add all of the links in the show notes so that people can find all of the lovely. Different places Thank you, to find you. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>